Hi friends, I'm Adrian File. And I'm John File. And welcome to the Love Process Podcast. We've been married 15 years, 14 good ones, and we have four awesome kids. My career has centered around process improvement and leadership development. And I've been an entrepreneur since I was four and I'm currently an owner and CEO of an insurance company and corporate training team. We are working to become better versions of ourselves every day. And we invite you to join us as we share our journey and the lessons we have learned in life, business, and figuring out how to love the process to becoming great. Let's go. <laughs> Hi friends, thanks for being with Ooh. us. We have a guest with us today, Charles Crouch. Charles, say hi. Hi, that was an awesome intro. <laughs> hey, we are so excited to have Charles with us. This episode is going to be legit. I already know it. Um, but right now, I would love it, Charles, if you could just give us a little introduction into who you are and what you love. Uh, my name is Charles Crouch. I run executive roundtable discussion groups in the DFW area of Texas. Uh, what I love is my kids and playing with my kids. And uh, I love especially the, the first interaction I get with them when I get home from work. That's what I love. Mm. That, that ringing right there, by the way, we just got a landline. For the first time. <laughs> so our kids do not have smartphones. For those who, who, who always inquire, when do we get smartphones? When do we get, I, I don't know the answer, but our kids don't have them. They're 11 eight uh six and three and so we got a landline last week and <laughs> apparently somebody decided to call apparently us and it, it sits in our home office where we podcast and we never would have thought that sound would come but it did. <laughs> so that's what that was and that's why adrian got up no really really appreciate that intro. that's awesome so can you say, say a little more on the, the most recent uh, uh, you know, endeavor of the executive roundtable discussions, and then we'll, let's go backward in time into you know, kind of your history and, and what got you there. What, what are you doing there? Yeah, Truth at Work is a, um, a four-hour meeting once a month for a group of executives to come together. And really, it's our iron sharpening iron. It's linking arms together with fellow believers in how to be top-notch in business. And I believe that being uh, the most lucrative, lucrative business, the most, the highest return on investment you can get is godly principles. And mm -hmm. so when you get together and you uh, combine that thought, a lot of people can go to Bible study and, and many people there don't understand the business perspective. So how dare you make that decision? You're an evil person is a lot of times what uh, business owners and CEOs hear from people who don't understand the, the things they have to consider when they make business decisions. That same person could go to a business meeting and hear the same thing from business people. Oh, you're making a bad decision. You're not following the good data or going after the low hanging fruit or the good business practices. Well, they're making decisions from a moral perspective. So when you bring these people together, I have found that there's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of energy in the room because everyone's kind of vibrating on the same frequency. They're basically missionaries in the marketplace and Ooh. combining, uh, it's just amazing. And it's like, they're vibrating on the same frequency. That's the only way I can do it. So my background in the SEAL teams is teams. And I feel like I am just building teams and that's what I can bring to the table. Um, that's awesome. And you feel this four-hour truth at, truth at work is just is just is a is a great vehicle for it, and, and the way you described it. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of uh, I wasn't looking for it. It found me. 
Hmm. Okay. Can, can you, can, so give us more. So you just, you know, uh, you just talked about your, your SEAL career a little bit, but your background in teams comes from your military experience. What were some of those, uh, give us some stories. Tell us some, some of your experience in, in learning teamwork, um, both uh, here as you trained and, and abroad. And I use a, I use a few. Let me, let me test it. These actually, yeah. I've never had a, I don't think we, we, I've met a couple of SEALs, but I haven't had, a, we haven't had a Navy SEAL vet on the podcast until today. And so I want to test a couple of things because as I go out and teach these translable truths, if you will, these concepts um, that we teach, uh, I use and I say to the Navy SEALs a lot. And so I give you guys a lot of credit and I'm so curious. So AAR, after action review, is that Navy SEALs? You guys use that acronym? <laughs> I forget the acronyms, but okay, sure, but it sounds great. Basically, like, you know, how about, how about awesome. slow, slow and smooth, smooth is fast. Slow is no, slow is smooth, that one is fast. wrong. It it is slow is fast, fast is slow. Slow is fast, fast is so awesome. That's that one. Slow is fast. I have to tell that one. I have to tell that one to my kids all the time. Slow yeah. down. <laughs> Fast if you can think about yeah. trying to tie your shoelace as fast as you can and really just your fingers run into each other, slow down, tie the shoe, it'll be done faster. And that applies to almost everything, including combat. Shoe cover move. Yep. Nice. Got one. <laughs> How about the only easy day was yesterday? <laughs> uh, yeah, is that true? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> maybe, maybe they came from the seals. I think those are the four that come off the top throughout this podcast. I may sprinkle a few more in, but yeah, tell us about uh, seal training. I mean, I've seen a couple of shows on on buds. I've seen some of the training, you know, on TV and all that stuff. But give us the backside of of of, of what it took to learn to to obviously to qualify. Uh, to become a Navy SEAL because not everybody does and a lot of guys aspire to be uh, a, a Navy SEAL I know when they're a young man uh, and number two what you learned uh, from that process of, of teamwork that you're now deploying in the in the boardrooms across America sure well the guys who make it through SEAL training I think are the guys who have fun in SEAL training you are not going to make love it the through process. love the process you know, you're running around on the beach in the sun, in the sand, in the water all day, every day. And if you look at your kids when you take them to the beach and look how much fun they have, I mean, it's in everybody. But when you stop having fun, you're done. I mean, if you think about it, you're just doing it for six months straight in hypothermia and a lot of sand. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that is went, awesome. I, I mean, it's perspective. You know, you're tired, you're cold, you're hungry, you're... You don't want to, you don't want to move around anymore, but um, it's the guys who have fun, who stick around. And if you can just stay in that mindset, you'll be just fine. If, you know, they say that um, just when you think it can't get worse, they make it worse on you. Mm. And, and you hit that, that mentality limit so many times, and then you're pushed through it. And you hit that mentality limit again, you push through it. And I remember waking up after sleeping probably 12 hours after hell week which is the five days i remember waking up from that and thinking everybody in the world should have to do this because mm -hmm. like just the mental expansion that you get from wow it was actually not that bad mm -hmm. 
I had fun. And, um, you know, you have like one second where you accept a thought and you're done. And, and you throw away a lot of hard work that you like after day two of first phase, I thought I'm not quitting because I've already put in, in a godly amount of work. And if I quit, that was all in vain. <laughs> you know, my whole body hurts. I'm tired. And, um, this would all be for nothing if I quit now. Hmm. So that's good. Where do you feel uh, like you got that grit from the ability to just keep going? The one common denominator of every Navy SEAL is not, you know, athletic ability. Uh, it's not race. It's not age. It's not skin color. They've tried to figure it out. The one con common denominator for everyone who makes it through SEAL training is that that person has been through a difficult life scenario before SEAL training. That mm. grit for me came from an abusive, not abusive, uh, turmoil relationship with my mother growing up. Mm. not abusive I remember uh you know I went after the SEAL teams to become my own god and for me I uh I saw the evils of religion and church people growing up and I, I walked away from God and I decided if God was real I was going to be him and the bestest way to self-medicate that was to join the SEAL teams <laughs> so um <laughs> So I signed up for the SEALs and the recruiter came and picked me up in the morning uh, that I was taken off. And my mom was upstairs. I was on the living room uh, chair looking out the front window down the driveway waiting for him. So he pulls up in the driveway in a white Dodge uh, sedan and gets out of his car and he doesn't even walk to the door. I, I go out the door down the porch and down the driveway to the passenger side of his car. Well, my mom comes out to the porch and says, son, give me a hug goodbye. You know, I'm going to the Navy. I don't know when I'm going to see her next. And I turned and I looked at my mom and I said, mommy, you don't deserve a hug. And with that, I left my house. And that's how my heart was when I left, when I left mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that 13 to 18 years of my life, um, in my house was fighting every day five o'clock you could set your watch to it right um and the demons would come out and i think that gave me the grit to answer your question mm. wow yeah so so instructively when you're looking at corporations you're training leaders i always talk i could say I, I i like guys who walk with a limp right and and it's that idea that they i, I always feel like if they haven't been through something yet it's gonna happen on our watch and so yeah. so uh but your explanation of that is is broken hearts too i hear is is a common way of people way guys get into the military uh, <laughs> they, you know they, they go especially probably special forces they're gonna go prove her wrong and yeah. uh, and i don't know how many you have any comrades that you guys that, that, that the girl drove them into the into the seals or a broken relationship of some sort yeah most of the people are just chasing a childhood dream yeah and uh they kind of just throw themselves in the ring and give themselves a shot and i think in buds you kind of find yourself if you have it or if you don't mm -hmm. they, yeah. they don't they don't teach you anything they really just show you who you are already mm -hmm. how many kids four kids right yes sir uh so i got i'm close to you i got 12 10 8 5. nice our, our 11 year old turns 12 in november 
And that's your oldest? Very close. Yeah, yeah. she's our oldest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got, we're pretty similar then. Yeah. Three-year-old. So is there a way, you talk about the mental expansion uh, process of, of going through this, and, and like everybody should should get this chance. Is there a particular way that you found with your kids to, you know, I call it voluntary suffering. Uh, I've done a number of really outside the box type lack of preparation almost because I wanted to hurt more and, and then find a way to finish and limp home. But the, uh, because I do it for that mental expansion, like, but with kids, what is your suggestions do you have any, I guess, that are transitable to the like different ages? Because you got a 12-year-old, 10-year-old, 8-year-old, a 5-year-old, but a grip builder or or those things. Like today, I'm going to coach soccer today at 4.15. It's supposed to rain. I hope it dumps. I hope it pisses rain because these girls are 9 years old, and I'm going to teach them exactly what – now I know exactly what why we're going to do it, but we're going to teach them fun. You know, and I, I come from Bothell High School, and we pride ourselves at Bothell in the last 20 years under 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 our current head coach and, and coaching staff. Like, if it's raining and windy, we're going to whoop your ass because we're, we're good with that. We're okay with that. We're going to be tough. Uh, you know, we're going to be tough in that scenario. And um, and we do say it that way to the kids. And and But because we want them to have that sense, that, that mental edge that they know when they walk onto a field, if the conditions are hard for us, they're hard for you too. And there's nobody, there's nobody tougher than we are. So, you know, we're not, we're not bundling up. We're going to wear the cutoff and we're going to walk in and, and we're going to, we're going to do what we do. So with kids 10, but those are high school kids, you know, and, and so with kids 10, 12 and eight and five, what have you found? I found just plugging the holes in the cup with kids and uh, adding to it to them daily so someone who has a strong spirit has a strong grit mm. right uh what does the bible say about that mm. um something who can who you can stand a a sickness but who can bear a broken spirit mm. when the kid is in a home with mommy and daddy and mommy pinches mommy's butt in the kitchen and kisses her and the kids see that and they see a wholesome environment and you family prays together you know when they're in that scenario i think a kid can withstand a whole lot more uh so when it comes to the soccer field um it kind of sports reveals character it doesn't make character and so when it comes to like raining i think um getting those kids out there in the weather and the elements is is good but a real strong kid is going to come from a st strong unit. And the, and the coach can kind of simulate that with the team. And it starts with the coach. It ends with the coach. If it's not there, it's the coach's fault. If it is there, it's the coach's, if it is the coach's um, fault. So how can a coach implement mm. kids that have filled up cups? He can encourage them, you know, mm. any kind of yelling, uh, doesn't work shouldn't be done um mm. encouragement um and and yeah like hours and hours outside the elements are good but if, if if these kids are being pushed too far it's putting holes in their cup and they're not able to like sustain a strong spirit and by holes in the cup i mean like yeah like their spirit leaks out yeah you want to plug the holes and so i think you know a 45 minute practice in in the rain 
is good, but when they start to become depleted and it's time to stop. Great, great advice. Next, next time we'll go 46 minutes. Great so advice. You're, con you're constantly pushing these kids beyond. So for example, my younger yeah. kids, we have, we have neighbors that are younger kids and, and they were scared of my dog, my 20 pound dog. And we just got them like slowly acclimated to the dog and they figured out this dog's not going to bite me. He runs at me because he likes me, not because he wants to bite me. And over time, the kids stop being scared of the dog. Uh, we have some really good climbing trees in our yard, Texas. We got some great climbing trees, deciduous <laughs> climbing trees. Yeah. And, um, you know, I put a ladder at the bottom of the tree and they don't climb all the way to the top the first time, but um, over time, they're like in the tree for like four hours nonstop. They don't come down, they're just in the tree. And so I think when you just expose the kids with a strong spirit, encourage them to go farther, um, it's good. Hey, I'm, I'm talking, I'm like, I'm from Big Boys Club. I've drowned a few times. I know what it's like to be pushed. So I'm not saying don't push the kids, but I'm saying they need a strong spirit to be pushed, encourage them to be pushed. And a lot of coaches yeah. get that wrong. Yeah. Let me ask you, let me ask you, Bobby Knight, do you think he had his, his kids' spirits strong? Or do you think that he depleted their spirits? Because he's always revered as like, you know, one of the best coaches ever. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think he was a whole, you know, I think probably somewhat depleted in some ways. I, I don't know for sure, just from what I saw, though. You know, I'm a huge John Wooden fan. Um, be, and, and you see with John uh, as he was down the stretch, you know, and I think you see it so often with players, how they, how they, how they revere a coach, you know, past that season and past that season of life. Like we have a guy on our team who played – uh, for uh, at the University of Washington, still the head football or head baseball coach there, and he very 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 hard driver. So what I don't know about what I don't know about Knight is, and but I do know about this coach, and I do know about Belichick, and I know about a few others is they had ridiculously endearing assistants, like like they they really had people around them. Urban Myers the same way. So if if they were they were the driving, you know, the drill sergeant minded coach. They had the wherewithal to put really, really character building, cup building people around them out of necessity, maybe in a lot of ways and vice versa. Lorenzo Romar at the University of Washington, they got worse when Ken Bone went and took the head job at WSU because Lorenzo was the, was the cup filler guy. Let's go let's go guy and made feel made him feel good guy. And Ken was the X's and O's discipline guy. And so I, I don't know, per, I, but I do, have you ever seen the son of a woman, Charles, you ever seen the, the show, the movie, it's a movie by with Al Pacino in it. And he's, oh. it's an old movie. And I show this scene to, to illustrate your point. I show this scene a lot. And it's the scene where they're in the Baird school and he's a former army guy and he's, he's blind in the movie now and he can't see. And, He's been in combat and he's seen things and he goes, the line is, he goes, I've seen men younger than these, their arms blown off, but their legs ripped off. And he said, but there is nothing like the sight of an amputated spirit. He goes, there is no prosthetic for that. And, and he goes, and he's going on to this board that wants to expel Charlie because he doesn't want to inform on his classmates, et cetera, et cetera. It's an integrity type exercise but it always struck me it always struck me that idea of 
of an uh, of there's no prosthetic for that that amputated spirit and what you're you're just reinforcing that in this idea of building a strong spirit what do you think what's that yeah what do you find to be turned you know so there's people listening to our podcast of all ages and demographics as we've studied it and it's from an eighth grader to uh to an 80 year old and and i think right now people are recognizing what you're saying as a uh, as an opportunity like so that what, what are the opportunities for folks start at home if they if they don't have a unit that's strong yeah like, they don't have the and they can't control the environment them, per se how do they do it themselves yeah like what what are you seeing of people that are they're stepping into to get this type of uh filling of the cup uh or as you you described it the plugging the holes in the cup yeah so, yeah that's good i like that coach already um What was the question? <laughs> just, 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 just ideas of ways to, um, to find that strength um, in, yeah. in the cup. I, I mean, I think you're going to go inside out, right? Uh, in some ways, you, you know, you've got to go within and look at the places and spaces that, um, and you've yeah. done that. You have the integrity to do that, to air it out, you know, to really look inside and go, these are the things that, that drove me. Um, yeah. You know, I had a life-changing experience when I found God. I had a broken spirit, a broken self-image, and um, God, God rewired my heart and rewired my head, and I was filled up. I, could, I, I had a born-again experience on my couch in my living room in Point Loma, San Diego, overlooking the San Diego Bay. And one second, I was, I was rock bottom, and the other second, I was sky high. And I couldn't stop smiling after that for a week. Uh, mm. Told everybody I knew about Jesus, mm. including all my buddies at the SEAL team. And so mm. it was an interesting um, switch for me. But mm. a loving father, a loving father has the ability to do that to their kids. And if the father isn't whole, he can't do anything to his wife or his kids. But, you know, so I'm a big proponent on family, just huge. Mm. And, and, if you don't have that, I, I tend to find that a lot of these people out here, a lot of them I serve with were personalities that if you've ever heard of the type that you, you, they always find trouble or trouble always finds them. And it's just like a magnet to them. Yeah. Yeah. It just comes from a broken spirit, whether on the, the soccer field, you can see um, it's kind of sad, but you know, the kids that always get in a fight or yell at the refs or whatnot but you can't spread joy um like that i mean sports is to have fun <laughs> it's not to get in a fight yeah it should be having fun if the coach isn't having fun i don't think the kids are either if the coach is yelling i don't think the kids of spirits are being being filled up i think it's actually doing the opposite it's probably a waste of time so yeah you know i was so after we we, we played that game on saturday and uh at halftime I brought, I brought, I, I've not, I wasn't on the sidelines. I was on the sidelines for over half a decade, but I, I um, coach in U10 girls soccer now. And uh, cool. It's like we talked about. And so Canon's team, but Tiger, he's three. And I, and I bring him into the locker room at, at halftime, you know, and he wanted to get the football game on Saturday that Bothell's playing a team called North Creek. And um, 
and uh, and they won. Come on, but uh, it was a really close game. The kids the kids were in a in an absolute dogfight, and uh, North Creek has had the best team they've had since that school opened maybe five years ago, and wow. uh, and so and they got really good kids and strong players and um and they've become a lot more disciplined they've really lacked discipline the last number of years shot themselves in the foot with 15 yarders and like you said that, that they just get in these they'd shoot themselves in the foot with penalties uh and so they uh tiger goes in there and he just goes go cougars you know and he's three and the kids look at a couple of them like gave him one of these you know and but we broke down we break down you know together as a team to family and and you mentioned family i just circled it and it's interesting because i it's been a little while i haven't been at every practice you know like i had been over a number of years and so i almost it's almost a perishable thought like how we do certain cadences you know if you're not there um but they do live on and so they break down to family and then it really made my heart go pitter patter when i came to practice on thursday so for like seven years we would play i was like the radio guy i'd be like the dj and uh, if you ever heard that, the red, white, and blue, I think it's Toby Keith, the red, white, and blue, America, you know, it's the America, I mean, it's a patriotic song and we play it right before we do this last thing where we play the eye of the tiger. And it's basically, we're kicking field goals. It's the last day before a game. And we played it for seven straight years. And every time we play it, we blast it. And, and, um, and it, it filled these kids spirit, you know? And, and so I'm, I'm thinking, man, they're not going to play out of tiger. We're probably not doing the red, white, and blue. And some coach walks over and he cranks it up. And it was my first Thursday practice before a game. And I'm like, yes. And so it's my grandpa, he met the Lord on, on the USS Colorado in the Navy in World wow. War. Uh, I don't know that, that we'd ever discussed that. And, uh, he had six kids and my mom was a six. So I'm glad he wasn't a quitter like me. And uh, we only had four, but he had six kids and my mom was a six of six, but he, he explained his experience when he was here, almost the exact same way you did. He happened to be, oh, really? on, he happened to be on a boat. Like it just a guy, he goes, I'm cause him and his brothers used to, they, they every time they got a chance, they partied and they, they caused chaos and they weren't, they weren't making great choices and and he was on on that ship and for him a guy did what you did it sounds like when you with the lord was he told him about god like what was it like so somebody told him about god and gave him a bible and he was sitting there on his bunk on this on this ship and he had this spiritual experience where from that day forward it all changed did somebody intersect in your life? Was it because I think a lot of people are listening? And go, man, that's great for you, Charles. Uh, that you, you know, God showed up one day while you're looking at the beach, and you're. But, but how do how do I get access to that? And how does that and how does that relate back to earlier? You said that you had some religious struggles as a child. Oh, good question. Those are two 30 minute answers each. <laughs> um, Cliff Notes version is when I was 13 my father was a Seventh-day Adventist pastor and when he one day it came out that his head elder had been committing incest with his stepdaughter I'm 13 and I'm watching this happen within a month my dad's church is gone through infighting 
and he has a nervous breakdown because he tried to hold it all together. Mm. And I looked at this scenario and I looked what these people did to my dad and I figured they're all evil people. And if God's real, it's not Jesus. Mm. At mm. 13 years old, I decided if God was real, I would be him. I would make myself him. And uh, so I started seeking how to do that. And so for me, it was the SEAL teams was the end of my venture. Um, but with my dad, he never walked away from God. I did. There was a few times where I would walk into my dad's bedroom and ask for cash or ask him a question or something because I was going. And he would be in there on his knees praying to the Lord. I'm glad I had, there was two instances that happened. I'm glad I had those opportunities to have that vision, that image in my head. Hmm. And it's in my head. I will never forget seeing my dad. You know, he was praying for me. He was praying for his family. Probably a lot like, was it you said your uncle? Yeah, my grandpa. Your grandpa on the Colorado. I mean, look, you are the fruit of his legacy mm -hmm. of a praying man. You can tell. You can yeah. tell you, you derive some of your faith from that moment he had. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I ran and tried to become my own God. And my dad's prayers came after me. I couldn't run far enough from him. So, yeah, I had a crisis moment mm. where I seek the Lord. And before that had happened, um, I had a man of God witnessing to me. I was in a motorcycle accident, should have died, mm. didn't die, should have died again, didn't die, should have died again. Three different times, doctors told me I should have died, and I didn't. I did have an out-of-body experience where I looked down on myself, mm. and had I died, I would not have gone to heaven. I would have gone to hell. It's mm. hard for me to say that, mm. but God had mercy on me and gave me another chance, and I didn't really know how to walk that out all i knew was john 316 <laughs> that's all i knew from my childhood yeah and i knew noah in the in the flood that i knew that one in adam and eve but right i had a, I, I went through a bible study with a guy and um and then my fiance left me so trigger right trigger point and i was kind of distraught on my couch in my living room and i just gave my life to god actually i challenged god i said if you can take these feelings from me and change me, I'll serve you the rest of my life. I was 22. Mm. And faster than I just said that, he did it. Like a lightning bolt. Mm. Boom. I was filled with joy. And I can still go back to that moment. That was 2004. Was 16, 17 years ago. Mm. And, uh, you know, what I have today, I don't deserve it. God has been so good to me. My wife, my marriage, my kids, they love daddy. Daddy loves them. My wife loves me. I sleep good at night. Uh, God's really given me a lot of things. If, you, if I told you half the stuff I did in the Navy, John and Adrian, you guys probably wouldn't want to be here sitting on a call with me. But he who has been forgiven much will love much. And um, so I just thank God for another chance. I know what I could, it could be. I would probably be dead. I was my own worst enemy. And pride is a killer, just a killer. I was injected with so much of this poison pride that that was my own worst enemy but yeah i had a guy who did a bible study with me once a week uh you know really just a bible 101 why you're forgiven why you god mm. and um and then god gave me in the best crisis of my life and everybody is one crisis away from bending their knee to god and accepting him and right mm. now i think 2020 is one of the best times in earth because there's a lot of people who 
um, don't have answers to all the problems around them. So hmm. I'm, uh, I don't know where to go after this. We could go a lot of different directions, but yeah, no, let, I think you, I think the flyby that you gave is, is great. I think it is two 30 minute answers and, um, to, to flush out both those in your story and, or not, if not longer, but I think the, the idea that, um, that it's going to be personal to the experiences of, of the listener and if they're attentive to the things around them, that, that it can be illuminated in, in ways and times and spaces that um, they never thought uh, would happen. And that seems to be the, what the answer is often uh, to folks. And, and, and yeah. yeah, and can I just say real quick that if anybody is watching this and they wonder why me, I think I'm gonna say this right to you. If you're wondering yeah. why me, why haven't I had that experience? You are one question a vertical question from your answer. All you got to do is from your heart, pray to God and ask him to show himself to you or to speak to you or to change your heart. You know, if you open your mind up to asking God to change your heart, he will, because you can't change your heart. Your heart belongs to the Lord. Your spirit and your soul are guided by him. And what you can do with your mind is you can open up your mind to allow God to change you. And he will. Mm. So let's take, let's take, since we're on the Bible, since we, since we're having a little Bible study, I, I want, I got a question that's going to be kind of hard to ask, but I, in a, in a way, because I know your experience and I know everybody who you serve with did, is, didn't make it back. And, and uh, we talked about that. I want to say 23 was the number that you cited uh, when we spoke a while back uh, that you, that, that, that are no longer with us. And, and obviously there's countless uh others that in this conflicts that, that we've had it says in ecclesiastes 4 it says this it says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor if either of them falls down one can help the other up but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up so i would be curious to hear as you you talk about the unit and the tightness, both in your in your military experience, as well as in your company and in your family, and in no particular order, you know that idea of you know you talked about iron sharpens iron, um, but I love that I love that verse, and and I don't know that you, if you study sports much, uh, the New England Patriots were playing uh, the L.A. Rams. And Evan McCartney, who's the safety, the starting safety, and the Rams were the number two rated offense in the NFL at the time. He, he brought in his team. And I think, like you said, sports reveals more of who you are. And he says to his team, I've been reading Ecclesiastes, and he really cites this verse. And, uh, and so then he goes on, et cetera, and they break down. They give up two field goals. They win a game 13 to six. It was really the only way they could win a game because they had a really good defensive game plan against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots, but they won the game. And it was the, the, the worst offensive performance that the LA Rams had had. I'm curious, not necessarily Ecclesiastes 9 or 4, 9, and 10, but, it, but also you can speak to that verse, but other verses and truths that you use to teach teamwork um, in the military, in our families, or, 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 or again, in companies. Yeah, you have a lot in business. 
Um, I'm not one that will push a lot of uh, pump up motivation um, before a game. You know, motivation is kind of just short lived. I think um, having fun is way better than motivation. Yeah. Or or hard work. Yeah. Or, Love. or try harder. Yeah. I think if you're having fun, it's the best pep talk you can have because people are going to yeah. go out there and be fully encapsulated with the, their ability in this short time and window that I'm able to do this right now. Soccer, football, whatever it is. Feel good. Yeah. Kicking a field goal. I mean, if people can absorb the moment, a lot of these high school, college kids aren't going to play the rest of their lives. And if they miss this opportunity to like be in front of a cheering crowd and absorb the moment, uh, you're wasting your time. That's, yeah. you're going to like, hinge on those moments for a long time afterwards so enjoy this yeah 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 <laughs> enjoy this take it in yeah and which was part of his speech by the way I, i'll send it to you it's some free yeah this yeah love that that's pretty cool i yeah. used a lot of uh romans chapter 838 uh yeah. every time so i had this encounter with god and i told all my buddies about the lord and a lot of them did not want to hear it but before missions i would offer to pray with uh the guys and a lot of the guys wanted to come and pray together and I would um, pray Romans 8, 38. You know, nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ, our Lord, not heaven or hell, not angels, demons, nor heights or depths. And I would just read uh, that whole chapter to all the guys and, and we'd all say amen and go do what we got to do. Mm. Um, and you could just feel the release because you don't know what you're going to encounter or what's going to happen. You can think you do, but. Well, in the word in the convince, right? convinced yeah. i'm convinced i think is is one of the depending on the translation but this this yeah. belief um that's good yeah would you're you, right yeah would you say uh you know that i think you know as you talk about fun let's try it back to fun you know okay. um, a guy a guy once told me it was probably 10 years ago and we were doing some work with kids and he said uh he said, remember this always, John, he said, adventure, relationships, and truth. And he said, be careful not to get the order mixed up. Adventure, relationships, and truth. And so, like, as you talk about fun, give us some of the adventurous, you told us before we got on the air, that you you, you did some things with the, the SEALs that you, uh, that were fun and kind of uh, put yourself out there a little bit, right? Sure have. Sure have. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so many. Okay, fun. <laughs> we did a training thing in Kodiak, Alaska, where it was a whole training, like uh, like a five-day uh, training mission out in the wilderness. And it started with a 500-meter swim in from little Zodiac boats into shore. 200 foot cliff climb up um, with all this gear and you're wet and you're hanging off the side of the cliff. And um, anyways, <laughs> we're swimming <laughs> through, we're swimming through freezing water and it's dark and no one can see anything. All you can do is really swim in the direction your compass says and feel the guys next to you and just trust that they're all there too. And it's dark and it's silent. You know, there's nothing out there but you and your breath. And you're this far out of the water. So I start singing to everybody. 
I just start singing, go into the chapel and I, <laughs> you know, I just start singing and, you know, it just puts a little fun, on, a little smile on everyone's face because you're about to go into the woods for uh, five days and climbing mountains and uh, doing all these different scenarios. You could just tell it kind of like alleviated a little of the pressure. And I think the ability of someone to, to, to motivate, to transform, to lighten another person's heart is more valuable than silver or gold. Yeah. It works with a team just for your three-year-old to change the atmosphere. An atmosphere yeah. changer is, is uh, awesome. As long as they use that in a good manner uh, and don't abuse it for manipulation. You know, if you can change the atmosphere and create fear, you're a witch, you're a manipulator. Yeah. You're, you're a bad leader, even though you're a leader. Your bad right. leader, mm. a coach that yells and screams and demands results and execution is a bad leader. You're creating fear. Like, look on the faces of the people who, who, who you who are following you. Mm. Are their spirits full? Are their eyes open? You can tell by the eyes of, the, of your followers. Uh, I go into a house and I can instantly tell if someone's good or not by if their dog comes up and says hi to me or not. Right. <laughs> if their dog avoids me, well, then you really know. So same thing in a, with a coach and a team or a business leader in, in their workshop. So um, that was an was a instance where, you know, you can have fun. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just having, out there having fun. I love what I did. Right. So this, uh, well, you're in Texas and you're not, how far from Waco are you? 100 miles exactly. Okay, so you're home. We go down there often. And I love a hundred, by the way. There's a guy who taught, there's a there's an old uh, jazz blues song say, get, called "Get Your Hundred," and 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 not near ninety nine, but get your hundred. That certainty, I think, is part of it, right? But get your hundred. But the Waco Baylor Bears have proved out uh, what you're talking about. They had a they came up with an idea called joy, joy, and the last fifteen months prior to whooping. Gonzaga in the NCAA final. If you watch the game, it wasn't. You're not kidding. Uh, and I liked their chances. Uh, I was in the minority. Uh, I thought Gonzaga was pretty overrelated when they won the semifinal game, and I thought that Baylor was hungrier. Uh, and but they were also they played with more joy. And I said it. I was like, they play like they watch them. They play with joy. And I love the way you observe too. I do too. People, companies, they'll say, oh, you know, let me tell you our core values. I'm like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Let me just come see the show and let me guess at them and let's see how close I get. Nice. Right. And so joy stood for Jesus, others, yourself. So they had an acronym, Jesus, others, yourself. And, and, uh, and I know, you know, I, I, my grandpa loved college or uh, Christian coaches, loved them, you know, Tom Osborne, uh, he loved Jim Zorn, loved Steve Largent, loved all these guys. They didn't all win all the time. They didn't all win all the time. Kyle Seeger loves Jesus. The Mariners keep missing the playoffs. You know, we got a week to go. There's still hope. Yeah. We're on life. Yeah. We're on life support. Need some help from the Orioles. They <laughs> never thought I'd say that. But, yeah. uh, but this idea of, of faith you know, in something greater than yourself. 
you you point people to Jesus and 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 that's awesome. And we give people for sure latitude and on wherever you're at, come on in and 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 let's just join this conversation. Um, the uh, the other thing I would you know I'd, I'd be while well, I got you on here is uh, what years were you in the military and what is your you know I've noticed you're wearing an American flag on your sleeve right now. I mean, but what would you say to, uh, and the stripes are heading the right way. And I, I learned that lesson the hard way, by the way. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, you only do that once. And then, uh, you know, it's kind of hard, you know, it's bad. Firefighters like, you know, and this shirt, it, I get them ordered. We have Freedom Friday at ProStar. So we, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna celebrate freedom. And the shirts come in and the flag, the stripes are the wrong way. And so we had to get new ones. We got new ones. Cut them off. We got new ones. <laughs> Um, what would you say to, to a young man or woman who is considering serving their country um, in, in, in any capacity uh, based on your experience seeing the most atroc atrocious circumstances uh, to, to these times of training uh, and, 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 you know, et cetera, to get ready for those, those circumstances? What would you say? I'm thinking of my kids. I, I tell them do whatever uh, God's putting on your heart. Yeah. The sooner in life you learn how to follow the voice of the Lord and the direction that, that he's leading your heart, uh, you won't work a day in your life, right? And so for me, uh, I was in the Navy and I had come up, I had just gotten done with the deployment. And I really, once you deploy as a Navy SEAL once and you go to war and you're done, is when your training stops. You're not out of training. You're not really a SEAL or understand anything about the teams until you've done that. So I went on deployment. I got back from that and I decided I was going to get out. And I was given up a $125,000 reenlistment bonus. And I was really just getting going. And a lot of my buddies came to me and said, hey, you're not able to come back to where you're at. You just got the hang of this job. Don't get out. You need to um, keep going. You get medals, get more deployments, get rank, learn more about the job. And well, the Lord was leading my heart to get out. And the Lord put on my heart that I was going to be just like the Navy SEALs are the best of the best in the military, that I was going to be the best of the best of the family men, that I was going to be the best husband out there, the best father, better than everybody else, the best of the best. That was like my next mission. So I didn't have any kids at the time, but that's what God put on my heart. Were you married? It didn't make any sense. I Were was married. married. Okay. I was freshly married. That's it. And so I told them, see you later. I'm doing what doesn't make sense. I'm just doing what the Lord wants me to do. And it's been so fun. Just he, he knows what I you need more than anybody else. Um, uh, but year was that? If, if you do go in the military, like, for example, I've lost 23 friends. And I got all the reasons to claim the PTSD flag, like anybody else. I really do. Um, but I don't have PTSD. And so I wouldn't worry, mama, I wouldn't worry about your kids going and serving or getting PTSD or getting war. Cause, um, if you have the light of Jesus in your heart, PTSD can't stay there either. PTSD has to go. It's kind of like I tell people like drug addiction. Honestly, I was just at the dentist this morning and the lady said, my nephew went up to the rescue recovery um, efforts for the OSO 
landslide. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Four years ago. Mm-hmm. He was trying to help his extended family or his uncle or something like that. And he found them buried under 26 feet of mud. Mm-hmm. And he took that and he went and committed suicide. Mm-hmm. She was telling me about this. So I shared my story with her, you know, as, um, cause you know, he had PTSD, you know, he, he couldn't save them. So he ended his own life and PTSD is a killer, but PTSD is like addiction. You can do all the group therapies that you want, but you can't outrun that monkey from being on your back or carrying around that heavy load all day long uh, with group therapy, with medication. Um, you can help it, but you're still carrying around the monkey. The light of Jesus says that you're more than a, you're more than a conqueror. So being more than a conqueror means you don't have to fight. Mm-hmm. It means the battle's already been won. And I've experienced that with having God in my life is, uh, man, I sleep good every day. I kiss my wife. I'm there for my kids. Um, so PTSD is like this. P- PTSD is like uh, this thing that blocks your vision from the rest of the world. You're always thinking about it. And it really makes it hard for you to interact with everybody else. But God wants you to take that memory and make and put it behind your vision. So it's something that happened in your past that you remember and you're not afraid of or revisiting it or rethinking about it. Hmm. But your vision's not cleared up. And that's what God Hmm. does for you. I remember all these things in battle, my buddies taking grenades or getting shot at or even I got blown up. Um, I'm like, yeah, that happened. I'm grateful I'm here though. I'm grateful for like this time I get. I'm so happy to be here. And so for me, yeah, you can't medicate PTSD away. So God's given me an opportunity to be the man of the house now. And uh, me and my wife, we, we love each other. In fact, God's done a real miracle in my marriage because here's a guy that's been to war and he can like have loving hands for his family. And this, here's what, here's what people got to know right now. I'm going to say it right here. I've been saying this for a year now. Everybody wants to know what to invest in, what's going to be the new thing in 10 years from now, what to, what to go. And the new thing in 10 years that you need to invest in is character, is love, is joy, and the fruits of the spirit. That is going to be lucrative return on investment 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. It's not technology. It's not stocks. It's not gold and silver. But the person who invests in character and brings people like John into their program to help them are going to far surpass the rest of culture. And people who do that are going to take the marketplace by storm Mm. in every corner of the marketplace. And I think I'm saying that prophetically, but I think people are starting to hear the winds change. I agree. Mm -hmm. Have you heard people saying like, Oh, I don't want to hire someone that's bringing company drama. That's the beginning of the landslide. That's the wind starting to blow. Right. That's awesome. You know, like you don't want to hire like 10 HR reps for every person you hire just to keep (laughs) drama down. (laughs) You want a productive workforce. Yeah. Yeah. And and when times are really, I totally agree. And the vision, uh, it's, it's kind of the catch 22. Like are we pulled by vision or are we pushed by pain? And different leaders are oper- operate differently. And so sometimes, you know, what the adage is, when's the best time to, you know, put on a new roof on the sun is shining, right? 
um, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the vision even too, Charles, the vision for leaders to see this, this next frontier, because a good leader is, is to your point, three to five to 10 years out. A good leader is three to five to 10 years out. So any CEOs that are listening to the idea of truth at work and having a venue, we're seeing more and more of those just CEO groups pop up, right? Where there's this venue because now the technology is flying. So, I mean, the, the amount of inputs that, are, that, that leadership leaders are taking is overwhelming. So to have a space that is quite, I mean, it's, I love, I don't think like you said it, it found you, but this idea of having a space where, where leaders can contemplate the next three to five years, where they're going to invest, where they're going to strategically plan, how they can best communicate uh, those plans consistently across their organizations, as well as I think you're talking character, I, I think fun, I think joy, you know, we think adventure, that's a vertical we, we, we talk a lot about and, and uh, is how to give leaders a turnkey. There's a guy that I will connect you with uh, offline, but and maybe I've already talked to you about him, uh, 1010, Project 1010. Uh, and it's a, there's two Bible verses that are referenced in that, but their thing is like taking leaders and getting them totally out of their environment in three different seasons because they've seen so many leaders burn out. They've seen so many leaders' lives implode, you know, and you saw it with, at, at home. I can't remember how old you were, 13 years old, I want to say, right? Where you saw, you know, one decision with in an overlook or, 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 or miss it with an elder and, and the condition and cause of that and, and everything just implodes. And yeah. so the, the, uh, the need for this. Yeah. Yeah. Adrian, I got a question for you. So yeah. when, when you have what your husband just said of taking leaders out, this 1010 ministry, you have a, do you believe that leaders can leave a, lead a, a binary trajectory where they're leading their family and their company equally well on, on good trajectories? Or do you think that people need to lead, step out, lead, step out? invest in their business, take time, invest in their family? Or do you no, think I it's think, a daily pursuit of both at the same time? I think it's a daily pursuit of both because I think it's all about the character. And when you're looking at the character, you're looking at the character as a whole. You have the character as your, in your family and you have your character in the whole, all portions of your life. I think it's difficult. Yeah, I guess I feel like I hear people talk about balance a lot. How do you have good work-life balance? But really you just have one life, right? And when you're at work, you're at work. And when you're at home, you're at it's home, life. but it's the same life. You're not, you can't balance when there's only one. <laughs> and so I think like having that perspective of like, just giving your all and being your best anywhere you are, I like building up that character in yourself and building up that character in others. I think that's going to have an impact on all, all portions of your life. No, I absolutely agree with you. I'm sorry, John. I absolutely agree with you. And I've see, heard a lot of people say like, oh, it's a bi binary trajectory of, of both. But I, I also feel like they kind of uh, lie to themselves a little bit because they say they're going to invest in their family just as much as they do their work, but they work eight hours every day at least. Mm. And they're well, at think, home for four hours and that's it. 
So someone's lying to somebody because if you're going to invest in your family and your business equally, well, then you'll be at work for six hours and at home for six hours and people yeah. are. Yeah. I think like for me, it's less about the hours and more about the impact. I Is that true? I don't know. I don't know. I, you- yeah. I mean, that's something I've definitely to consider. I also wonder um, when we're talking about hmm. like the amount of the number of hours of investment and we're, we're talking about you know, spending time in one location and versus spending a time in another location. Is there a way, I suppose, that we're marrying the two, right? Like our family comes a lot to a lot of work things with us and we, cool. you know, That's try awesome. to impact lives through these eyes of these babies that are, you know, Tiger going into that football yeah. locker room. That makes a yeah. big impact on those kids seeing that there's, you know, families being together. That's huge. Um, but I think it doesn't have I love to be it. like one or the other, I guess. And I would say I that love it. To, to the capacity is important and leverage. And those mm-hmm. are the two words that I was thinking when you're asking that question is one is capacity. Everybody's capacity. You talked about it with SEALs. You, you know, you, you, you have it, you find out whether you have it or you don't. And so you've got to know oneself in terms of capacity um, to how, what is your capacity to, to operate in all these in all these spaces the best you can but number two is 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 leverage meaning i i do think you know it takes a village you know Mm -hmm. so uh we you know we're taking a trip to orange we're going to be in dominican republic with our kids you know they're going to school over there and and the whole everybody's going to go it's going to be six all almost seven i want to come okay we'll tell you the details we will we'd love it up let's go build a house her best friend and their three kids are going Mm -hmm. And yeah, we'll we'll send that to you for sure. Uh, and then the it'd be fun to do a podcast on the back end of that. And and so I fourteen forty, you know, at the end of the day, Adrian is kind of alluding to, which is a it's a it's a concept about time, right? Fourteen forty is how many minutes are in a day. There's one hundred sixty eight hours a week, eighty six thousand four hundred seconds, et cetera. So choosing where we spend our time matters. As, as well as where we choose to spend our energy matters. And so one of the things that I'm working on personally, transparently, is to, to, have, to, to have more energy when I'm at home, you know? So, you know, and yeah. so we've been going on these walks and that, that, has, been, that has been good for us to, to chat on. That's cool. But, but work, and sometimes that might mean I need to take a nap in the middle of the day so that I can have the best energy Daddy likes his naps. For that, right, right, right. <laughs> but so they don't tell anybody. But for that, for that time, though, right, Charles? Like, because, because, because time in and of itself, it, which time are you getting? Is because I can yeah. tell you, for me, there are certain hours that are better than others. Uh, for for me, knowing myself in terms of my ability to execute and energy and 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 to be at the highest peak performance, and so um, yeah. So that's, that's a piece, that's a piece of well, puzzle. I have a personal vendetta against company or corporate dinners. I think <laughs> when it's dinner time, it's family time. Daddy needs to be home. I mean, cause think about it. Like your wife just cooked a meal for all your kids and they're sitting down to eat and daddy's doing what? Well, Sales? so what we do, so, so here's what I have a corporate mission to do is bring them all. So we do a pro star summit. Like we, in our insurance business, we go two nights, 
three days, everybody. And we got kickball games. We got competitions with the kids playing a water balloon fight. We, we play a card game that, you know, one kid loses and cries about. I mean, we do a lot. <laughs> like, and I can tell story after story of, of that. Card so, games reveal character too, huh? Right. And so, <laughs> and so uh, my thing is, is, is we, when we once a month, well, pre-COVID for sure, Texas is probably still rolling, but here, uh, a lot of stuff shut down uh, and, and more and more, but we used to do a family dinner, right? And it was yeah. a big pizza place and every, and it, but, but now again, this is to speak to how do you, how do you live into what she's talking about? You know, Cheryl Sandberg wrote a book called Lean In and the big critique on Lean In is like, yeah, sure. If you got two butlers, you got a maid, you got somebody to watch, you know, to help do this and do that. Like, like it's, it's not the same, like everybody's went through a pandemic, but not everybody went through the same way. Like we have to be realistic to where we're at. And so the question is how to me is how do you move in anybody's scenario? How do you move one degree to tweak your mindset to what Adrian just talked about, to tweaking your mind that like that we can do, we can do both well. Now, and I'm not saying that you just blow the top off. Everybody blows the top off and you don't get time to, to be home with the kids and the family. But once a month, a company having a family dinner where kids are there and because it's there's been, it, it, it unveils that separation. Go ahead. Yeah, I think, yeah. There, I think there's a balance too, though, making sure that you're realistic around the fact that you can't have it all. Like that's just true. You can't have it all. So you have to decide what's important to you, what's important to your family. And then are you living into what those values are and what those elements are. And does your company, whoever you're working for or working with, do yeah. they support that? Are they in line with that? Yeah. Oh, I totally agree with you. Uh, I, I just feel like um, it's like this invisible giant. Nobody knows they're fighting it. It's there, mm -hmm. but they don't know they're even fighting it. Mm -hmm. Everyone talks about, everyone talks about company culture, but what about like, in your home culture. I grew up in a volatile culture right. every day. It's well, probably where I got the grid. I mean, we've had a moment of crisis on this. We've had a few. I mean, it was probably 2018. I'd been on a trip. Uh, I got back from Arizona. It's a Friday uh, evening. I've been gone for about a week, you know, and then Saturday. very pregnant. She was very pregnant. So Saturday morning, I, I meet at this men's group and this guy's got, got a place to look at that he's thinking, thinking about selling. We're probably a year into our real estate team going. I'm like, I'm thinking about taking a look. And so I ask Adrian and she says, uh, whatever you think, which basically means don't sense the do tone. it. <laughs> it means sense the tone. <laughs> don't do it. Don't, don't go. It's all just text the guy, say, hey, Monday, whatever. And... I decide I'm going to go. And as I'm leaving, Adrian starts to tear up and yeah. then she starts to cry. And then she's like, not wanting to see the kids see her cry. So she's now going to go down to the car and, and cry. And the kids are like, daddy, and this is one of mine. Yours is a dog. Mine is a kid's. Like, I want to see this. Do the kids run to daddy? Do the kid are the kids excited to see dad when he gets home? I love being on FaceTime with people, you know, when they, they walk into their house and say, Hey, I got to jump because you know, my kids. And then it's like, daddy, they'll hear my kid. Like, it's not, you can't manufacture that. Like it's either, it either is or it isn't right. An output of joy, love, fun, 
support, care, you know, always doing, doing what you say you're going to do, integrity, all those things, right? Actually doing those things over the course of time causes that possibility, right? It's, there's no shortcut to that and you can't manufacture it. And so, but that, that morning, you know, that the kids are like, daddy, you want to go down and, and, and talk to mommy? And I'm like, I don't know, should I? <laughs> and, and, and so, so sure enough, I do. And, and I, and I have two appointments on my calendar that were later and I miss one and then I miss the next one. And it was really tough. And, and, uh, there was a season Charles for like almost two weeks. So this will get you, this will get gotten back into this conversation for two weeks. I was depressed. It's like you at Point Loma. Like, like I was, it was, we was a 74 degree day. I'm at, where Adrian and I are at lunch at this place in Kirkland, um, Beats Cafe or whatever. And I can't eat. And I, I feel like I'm completely failing I've comp- as, a, as, a, as a dad, as a husband, as a dad, as like on all fronts. And, uh, and I, I, I honestly am not sure I'm ever going to escape this feeling. And it's like what you talked about that, that blocking. And yeah. I told Adrian, if, if this consumes me, cause you just talked about a story where it did consume somebody, right? They came upon, they dug 26 feet deep and it consumed them. If this consumes me, I said, you tell, and this is perspective, right? You tell the kids that daddy was looking up the hill. He didn't turn, he didn't run, trusted God in it. And, and what happened was I ended up going with the guy to this men's deal and on a Friday night and Adrian's like, maybe you should go. I didn't even want to go, but I showed up yeah. and a guy that night prayed with me. Oh, really? He prayed with me and like, like you did with your, your, your man and still do and do with your family and did before we did this podcast, right? He prayed with me and I woke up on Saturday morning, good to go. I have not felt like that since. I haven't had an inclination since. So people ask the same thing. Like I'm the, I know, I know exactly. Now I have a fruit. I know what depression likely self-diagnosed, but I know what that, that just total fog, that inability to, to think life is, is going, is meaningful. I had that experience and I wish there was like a three-step process to, to explain to people. Cause there, I mean, I was very transparent for like those 10 days. How you doing? Crappy. <laughs> and they're like, huh? Really? And there's a few people, Charles, who were like, Finally, you know, that guy's always been positive the last 10 years and now he feels crappy. Uh-huh. You know, and I got a few of those too. I got to flush them out. But I, I did. I was just like awful. And they're like, tell me more. And I would talk about it. And I would tell the story I just told and and feel like I'm failing and this, that, and the other. And I'm grateful that I haven't had to feel like that. But my heart aches in this time and season for the vast numbers of people who report that that's where they're at. Like, like this, and so, you know, to you, we're back to where we started. And, and yeah. for me, it was, there was, there was no uh, tagline. There was no motivational speech. There was just, just 
persist. And, and I remember, uh, I remember this guy, he told me, and it was in the midst of the same season, this guy, name was Bob and we were at Piners National Golf Club and it was a really bluebird day and it was an awesome day but he was the most joyous guy he's 88 years old and he was our scorekeeper in this national final deal and I asked him on like the seventh hole I'm like Bob like what is your secret like he's got the clear eyes he's talked about his kids he's talked I've asked, we've asked questions like just he shot the man and I said I said what's the secret and he told me he said faith and perseverance you know and our son tiger adrian reads him uh often the the tortoise in the hair you know and it says hard work and perseverance bring awards and part of me wants to change it to faith and hard work you know perseverance like like just i've seen i know a lot of people work really hard for a long time and get nowhere mm. i mean i think that's yeah. called the rat race yeah. there you go I, I mean that kind of i mean i think that to me like that story like falls right back in line with that you can't have it all that if we are too like broad in our desires and our perspective then we find ourselves like being mediocre at a lot of things instead of like really good and intentional of a few things you know, you go into companies and they say, what's your top priority? And they name 12. And it's like, how do you have 12 top priorities? How yeah. you have one? Like there's that's the point of the top. <laughs> now that we have a seal on here, I want to tell you, Charles, I do use this one a lot. I'm like, I use this analogy. I'm like, I could throw a ball 30 yards, or we'll let Russell Wilson throw it. You know, like I can, I could throw. I'm like, I was pretty pissed about what happened on 9-11. You know where he's at in Pakistan? Shoot, I'll go. They didn't send me though. They sent a SEAL team. And, you know, and like there's these, you know, it's like the eye doctor. When I go up my eyes, my laser eye surgeon, like he just came in for like 15 seconds. And he, he said a short prayer. And I'm like, do people decline the prayer? He goes, sometimes. And they go, the results are usually worse. That's what the nurses said. They've done like an off the board study on it. And I'm like, wow. how do you say no? You know? Wow. And I'm like, yeah. That'd be great. And, you know, and there's, you know, when, when we're having our fourth child, the doctor, the nurses are there and Adrian's sitting there and we're pushing. And I'm like, let's, where's the doc, you know? And they're like, she's, she's waiting. She's having a nap. She's having a nap. It was basically, she's like, just chilling. And I'm like, what do you mean? Just chilling. Let's go. It's time to go. But at the end of the day, she had a role. And one of the Bible verses that uh, we talk about the Bible on this podcast as much as any other, but Proverbs 18, 16 says, God will make room for your gift. And it's singular. And it's interesting. I would be curious wow. to hear from you what your, because your assignment has changed, right? But your gift has not, I don't believe. Your assignment is now all in on the family and helping corporate, corporate leaders have spaces and places where they can lead effectively. Right. I mean, and so my question for you would be, amongst other things, I'm sure, what would you say your gift is? What would you use it? Joy? Is it team? just, just you, reading that Bible verse is encouraging me right now because um, I might have read that one over and just not gotten it. But just when you said it, it kind of hit me because uh, my knack is for going into catastrophes and helping uh, men. Mm. man out and it's just happened every i mean i just happen to 
talk with these guys on the day something happens. And for whatever reason, I'm able to come along and they trust me and they unload on me and mm. I get to walk with them through it. And a guy like me can't judge anybody for anything. Cause I, <laughs> that's awesome. And I tell them like, there's nothing you're going to tell me that's going to make me judge you. And so just let's go because the Bible says, when you confess your, confess your sins to your brother, you'll be forgiven. James chapter four or five. It's in there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And so that's, uh, that's encouraging that you you just cited that. Um, that, that would be my knack, but you know, a lot of these different, uh, crazy stuff happen in the group meetings too, is people, people will actually talk about those things that they don't want anybody to know because they don't know where else to take it. They don't know where else they're going to go, but this is what those groups are set up for. Embarrassing, humiliating things. And we've had a handful of issues pop up that the whole room gets quiet. <laughs> Everyone's like, I can't believe he just said that, <laughs> but he did. And we get to watch God's hand through the whole, I call it movie. We, we watch their, them, their story play out like a movie in front of us. Like every day it's a new plot twist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think it's very important for, like you were saying earlier, a guy that came and prayed for you and lifted off that burden off of you, but to have that person in your life, for me, that's my wife. And so, um, for me, I can be out in the world and 30 people can tell me you're an idiot and I can go home and my wife will tell me, honey, you're smart. I, her, her voice is as powerful as those 30 negatives and she fills me. And she is that person that can lift me out of a pit and elevate my heart and trumps 30 other voices. Mm. And she's that powerful for me. If, if I go out and 30 people tell me I'm smart, but I go home and she tells me an idiot, I'm probably going to feel like an idiot mm. that day because I don't have my, my, my teammate, my partner with me, mm. you know, in, in mind, in spirit, in heart. And that's a real big deal to me. I can, I, I can't go to work if me and her are off. I can't go to sleep if me and her are off and uh, we could manipulate each other with that um, we definitely have in the past in some of our steeper fights but um yeah i think if the world would step up and realize what they have in a spouse this encourager mm. a man and a woman can pull each other up and stand against the world and the world cannot stand against them we've had very few examples of that in our culture I actually feel like you and Adrian are that mm. example. And I love how you guys take your family to the different events because that's your power and it's an example. And people see that and they're like, oh, the light bulb comes off. That's what I want. Mm. Um, me and my wife did a mission trip around America for 18 months in an RV, 41 churches, 41 states, 62 different churches as first time guests. And we would pray for people every day, everywhere we went. And God did a miracle in us because he made uh, my wife and I one. He mm. made not just my wife and I one to stand together, um, but our kids are in it too. Our kids, all of us together, we're like one God, we unit. And we mm. love being around each other. We don't despise. We, we get yeah. joy from laughing with each other. Mm. Um, one thing as the leader of my house that I do is I tell my wife is if we're not laughing with the kids we're not doing our job mm. um my goal is in parenting is not to discipline after three times it's not a spanking it's not reward for good behavior and uh allowances and 
it's none of that. <clears throat> my parenting uh, theory is laugh with your kids once a day, at least. Cheeks hurt, belly hurts, laugh. <laughs> and it has to be that because uh, your kids are going to grow up and they're going to say, I'm not getting it from the home. So really your kid's heart is out to the highest bidder. You know, who, who wants to pay for more for my heart? Hmm. Um, and they're going to go seeking that. And I think in my generation, our generation, we've seen a lot of kids kind of go looking. I went looking in the SEAL teams for my fulfillment. And, um, but the, the family unit being one is so attractive. I was in my office. I got these pictures up on my, in my office of these cubes of me and my kids and my wife praying for people on the streets, different mm -hmm. places, New Orleans, New York, Las Vegas, everywhere. And um, I have a, a buddy of mine come into my office and he starts doing this, doing that with his teeth. And I'm like, well, what's that man? And he's looking up the pictures. And he goes, I've been lied to. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, that's what I want. He goes, I'm in this office eight hours a day chasing something. And it's not even what I want. He saw the pictures on the wall of me with my kids and my wife. We're all praying for something. He goes, that's what I want. I've been lied to. I'm like, who's lying to you? Yeah. And it was a good conversation. Yeah. But unless you're an example of it, People don't know what you're saying. Yeah, so you can't buy you're bringing your kids along. The most fascinating for people is they can't buy it. You know, uh, you know, a C-level executive. You know, matter what their salary, amount of money in the bank, um, power, prestige, title. The, the the reality is is it's you can't buy it, and that's and then the, and yeah. then they say, how do I get it? Right, and they don't know how to get it. Mm. Right. Because they're used to everything else is is you know is 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 really accessible. Hole in ones are like that too. By the way, I found out I hit a hole. What in is one. hole in ones? <laughs> you just saw one yesterday in the Northwest University golf tournament in front of us. The guy's first hole in one, freaking it was awesome. <laughs> you can't buy those things. I know we're going on. That. So, um, so one thing it's I true. Ask, one thing it's true. You're asking, your last final question, Adrian. I know you and and figure out how that anybody can get hold of Charles. How many push-ups could you do on in like if just like right now if you if you were to knock them out? <laughs> Have you stayed in good shape? This yeah, is... I could do a couple push-ups, I guess. You want to find out? No, no, no. I'm just. I mean, I mean, I I don't. I only do. I only do like a few in the morning and and I do some, some sit-ups because my back got sore. But like, have you kept? Have you kept? I know you guys have a routine in the military of of uh, physical training, etc. Do you keep up with some of that stuff? I know you also had a gym and. You keep up yeah. with that body weight, push-ups, pull-ups, routine stuff. Yeah, I bet you I could get fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the over. I'll take the over. All right. I don't uh, know. No, my thing, question. my thing is pull-ups. I could probably do more pull-ups than I can push-ups. Oh. I don't know why. God gave me some lats. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. Well, this has been such an awesome conversation. We have so appreciated it. I've learned a ton with, so I know our listeners are going to learn a ton as well. Uh, so final question, how do people get a hold of you? Uh, they'll probably have to stalk me on LinkedIn. All right, Charles Crouch, C-R-O-U-C-H. I will be waiting for my Dominican Republic invite. All right, I'll email you. That's the next step. I can't, yeah, we're excited. And I am in 
Austin in the fourth quarter. So coming out, I'll be in Austin. And if oh. I get an inkling to, to make that trip again that I made to get Adrian's cell phone to Dallas-Fort Worth uh, that one time from... Yeah, Austin. I'd love to go down there with you. I'm actually looking at launching a group down there, uh, maybe Q1. Okay. So we'll see if God willing. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We'd love that. Love to meet the fam soon. Thanks for your time. All right, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.